Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In today's brief, we'll talk about encircling Bakhmut, Heimers on the beach, and vampires? I'm Yulia, and today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. We are four days away from my birthday. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine, from the front. There were more than 40 combat clashes across the front on August 2nd, according to the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, GSAFU, during which Ukrainian forces reportedly destroyed 15 Russian drones, 27 Russian artillery systems, and 540 Russian soldiers. The Bakhmut area continues to be a hotspot, with Russian forces trying to regain lost positions north and west of Klishivka and Kurdumivka. Some assessment here. Russia is fighting so hard for these settlements because the road running through them, the T-0513, is a critical ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, for Russian troops in Bakhmut. The Armed Forces of Ukraine, AFU, is creating a technical encirclement by advancing on the northern and southern flanks, gaining the high ground around the city and taking fire control over the G-lock. And every day Russia doesn't retreat from the area, the more the estimated 50,000 Russian troops in and around Bakhmut risk being trapped in a salient. The TO-513 is the only heavy-duty capable route west of the Bakhmutovka River, and the bridges crossing the river at the T-1302 and T-0504 that run east from Bakhmut were destroyed months ago. Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations towards Melitopil and Berdyansk and solidified their positions. Moving on to the home front. Russia launched Iranian-sourced Shahed drones at multiple Ukrainian cities, primarily in Kyiv and Odessa oblasts. According to the Ukrainian Air Force, air defenses intercepted 23 drones during the attack. Port and industrial infrastructure were damaged or destroyed in Odessa, including a grain elevator, grain sheds, storage tanks at one of the cargo terminals, and industrial storage and administrative facilities. Russia made a choice and attacked the port of Ismail on the Dunai River, known to you as Danubi, Danube, or Danube, a mere 150 meters from Romania. Remember, Romania is a NATO country, and it is literally right across the river. The Ukrainian Prosecutor General's office has confirmed that 10,749 civilians have been killed and 15,599 wounded by Russian forces since the beginning of the full-scale invasion in February 2022. It is important to note that these are confirmed casualties. They don't include data from the currently occupied regions or areas where fighting is still ongoing, particularly places such as Mariupol, where we know that the data is unfortunately going to be devastating. In liberated Kherson Oblast alone, 35 so-called detention centers were used by Russian occupation forces to detain civilians. 
According to a report by the Mobile Justice Team of the Atrocity Crimes Advisory Group for Ukraine, an internationally funded human rights group. The report adds that almost half of the Ukrainians held in the detention centers were subjected to wide-scale torture and sexual violence. Next up, the temporarily occupied territories. A Ukrainian drone out on reconnaissance near Jedelhak Island, a spit off the coast of occupied Kherson Oblast in the Black Sea, happened upon a Russian base made up of five camps. Once all five camps of Russian troops were amassed outside, Ukrainian forces struck them simultaneously with HIMARS. Russian sources blame command for neglecting operational security and losing as many as 200 personnel in the attack. Speaking of, let's talk about the Russian Federation and effectively occupied Belarus. According to the United Kingdom Defense Ministry, Russia is likely attempting to build, quote, major new formations to add depth to its ground forces, end quote, in Ukraine. Quick sidebar, Russian forces could achieve more depth in Ukraine if they would just bury their dead instead of leaving them on the battlefield. About six feet more depth, in case that wasn't clear. Regardless, the UK Defense Ministry believes it's unlikely that Moscow could find enough troops for a new army without another round of mandatory mobilization. Iranian Armed Forces General Staff Chief Major General Mohammad Bagheri met with Belarusian Defense Minister Viktor Khrenin in Tehran on Tuesday and called for greater cooperation between the two countries' defense industries. The Institute for the Study of War, ISW, assessed that Iran is hoping to build drone factories in Belarus so Russia can more easily purchase them and Iran could have access to greater economic and military benefits. A handful of companies owned by Russian oligarchs engaged in a scheme to provide financial incentives to contract soldiers willing to take part in the war in Ukraine. The soldiers were reportedly hired by the companies, then laid off, allowing them to collect a stipend in addition to their military salary. In Belgorod Oblast, which borders with Ukraine, Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov said the Russian government is continuing to arm civilian so-called self-defense groups, issuing them with cars, quadcopters, and anti-drone guns. There is no way this could go wrong. Absolutely no way. Let's talk about the news worldwide. Turkish President Recep Erdogan had a telephone conversation with Russian President Dictator Vladimir Putin where they scheduled a play date in Turkey to discuss the Black Sea Grain Initiative. Meanwhile, Russia continues to target grain infrastructure with missile and drone strikes. The latest attack on the port of Ismail destroyed almost 40,000 tons of grain that was meant for destinations in Africa, China, and Israel. Permanent representative of the United States to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, made it clear that the U.S. wasn't going to put up with any Wagner nonsense in Poland, saying, quote, We have seen their malicious actions on the African continent, so we're concerned that this group, at the behest of the Russian government, because they're not acting independently of the Russian government, poses a threat to us all. And we must make it clear that any attacks by Wagner Group will be considered attacks by the Russian government. End quote. The Russian Defense Ministry announced on August 2nd that Russia has started naval exercises in the Baltic Sea, because honestly, anything to distract from the counteroffensive at this point. Richard Moore, head of the MI6, the British Foreign Intelligence Service, gave an interview to Politico during which he reported that there were disputes among Iranian leaders over the supply of drones to Russia. 
He also said that Western countries are confident that Putin needs to withdraw from the territory of Ukraine, but don't want to, quote, humiliate him. Aw, his feelings might be hurt. Moore did note that in the past month of the counteroffensive, Ukrainian forces have regained more territory than Russian forces captured in a full year, and attributed the slow tempo of the counteroffensive to the cautiousness of Ukrainian troops. Finally, let's talk military tech. According to an opinion piece by Brady Afrik for the Washington Post, when Ukraine first requested Western tanks, Russia had only just begun to build fortifications. Within six months, hundreds of miles of fortifications were visible from space. Afrik infers that delays in fulfilling Ukraine's requests for the tools it needs has made a long war of attrition more likely and will result in far more deaths than it would have otherwise. The U.S. Department of Defense has been monitoring the AFU's advance and continues to see forward movement during the counteroffensive. Commander-in-chief of the AFU and apparent Mandalorian fan Valery Zaluzhny posted a video of the RM-70 Vampire Multiple Launch Rocket System, MLRS, on the contact line operated by the 110th Separate Mechanized Brigade. The RM-70 Vampire, adopted by the Czechoslovakian Army in 1971, can reportedly carry 40 122mm rockets, carries an additional 40 rockets for rapid reloading, and works with both single shots and volleys. The crew commander Pavlo described the process in the video saying, quote, Unpack and get ready. Three or four minutes and we are ready, waiting for the command, fire, end quote. The rapid reloading capability reduces the time needed to prepare for the next volley down to a few minutes. Ukraine has started mass production of a unique kamikaze drone called Rubaka. It has a range of 500 kilometers and works with an inertial guidance system to strike predetermined targets. It is reportedly the first kamikaze drone in the world to have a propeller propulsion system located in the front of the fuselage rather than in the rear. The first Ukrainian demining machine has passed certification, according to the Ukrainian Ministry of Economy, which means production can begin and it will soon be available to demining crews. Experts have estimated that it would take 500 expert crews to clear all the mines in Ukraine. There are currently 20 demining machines and about 3,000 demining specialists, with 14 or 15 crews permitted by the Ukrainian government to do the tedious and incredibly dangerous work. If you're interested in learning more about demining efforts, we did an interview with Harley Whitehead, an English logistics and demining volunteer in Ukraine, that was posted to the podcast back in late June and recently did a live follow-up and Q&A with him on our YouTube channel. You can follow him and his work on social media. Links will be in the description. And that's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please, consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, Murnoho Nabavam!